it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Quainton. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin here. We got Mike over in London. What's up, dude? Yo, what's up, brother? Nothing, nothing. Um, what a week it's been. We've got a uh, we've got an interesting one this week. It's gonna be top five Nicole Kidman movies. So, Mike and I both we before we sort of chose a topic for this week. We were talking, we'd been talking a while about we wanted to do like an actor or actress and all their films and pick a top five. And Nicole Kidman, I think it came, she came to my mind because I had watched The Undoing recently. You know, she's had this big sort of TV, you know, sort of renaissance little moment in her career where she's just crushing it on TV. Where she has she had Big Little Lies, which she was fantastic in, and then The Undoing with Hugh Grant, also on HBO, that just came out during the pandemic this year, and you know everyone everyone fucking watched it. That was great as well, and and you know I think those those two shows have been two of her best roles, but it sort of made me think. I haven't really seen a lot of Nicole Kidman movies, and. I, I talked to Mike and you, you also, I don't think had seen that many, right? No, just a handful really. Yeah. And I think, I think our curiosity was peaked. So she has a shit ton of movies. I think she has close to what, like somewhere between like 60 and 80 different movies that she's done. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think like theatrical releases is somewhere around 60, but she did a bunch of like TV movies early on in her career, obviously, and then mm-hmm. even a few TV shows early in her career. So it's and you know that's that's going back to the '80s. So she's quite a long career, uh, and and yeah, which we you know we put in some work. We we gave it an honest effort to see as many as physically possible. We really did. I think between the two of us, we almost got them all. Um, we really might have. And like, I don't really know everything you've seen and, and vice versa. So that's part of the fun. That's true. That's true. And shit, man. But yeah, I will say to everyone. So we're not in our dis, like sort of own definition of what we are going to use to pick her top five movies. So we're obviously not including the TV shows. That was a bit of the inspiration for the episode. But we wanted to keep this to movies, not get too complicated and in in that what that means top five nicole kidman movies i think i can speak for both of us in that some of that is what just are our favorite movies that she's in but then i think some of that also is how impactful was her role in the movie would would you say that's correct mike 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I think just to reiterate, it's, you know, with all of our top lists, it's it's not, you know, we're not coming at you like critics and saying these are the five best pieces of cinema that she's made. These are our favorite movies and roles that, that she's been. Yes. And sometimes they might be one and the same, but that's up to your guys' interpretation. So I think we should just jump right in. And yeah, let's do it. I'm, 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 I'm ready. Okay. I'm, I'm going to kick this one off. How does that sound? Go for it. All right. So my number five is the 1999 Eyes Wide Shut Kubrick's final film. So can't go wrong there. No. And so I'm a big Stanley Kubrick guy to start off. And as you know, many of you know, this was his final film. He died just just a few days, I think, after showing Warner Brothers uh, a final cut of the film. Um, And this this film is to this day, I believe to this day, the longest film shoot in movie history. It was, I think, I want to say it was 400 days. It was, it was over a year. It was, it was completely outrageous. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. It's, it's a very interesting film. Uh, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, they were still married at the time. And, you know, they're a married couple. They have a kid. And it's about, it's a very sexual film. It, to give a very long story short on the plot, most people that have seen it or have heard of it, you would associate it with like the crazy, like underground sex parties. But the plot is Tom Cruise is a doctor in New York City. Nicole Kidman's his wife. They have a conversation where she reveals that um, she reveals this like night where there was, there was this guy at like a hotel they were staying at and she was attracted to him and like had a dream about him. And then if he had like made any advances on her, she claims that she would have done it and it like haunts Tom Cruise. And he goes on this just complete spiral and goes on it's just he finds himself on quite a path and finds himself at a very high class secret like society type sort of like orgy sex party and it's just a fucking crazy movie and the truth is Nicole Kidman actually doesn't have an absurd amount of screen time. It's like two and a half hours long over to it, two hours 40. And Tom Cruise is definitely in the movie a lot more than Nicole. But whenever she's in it, I feel like she has some super impactful scenes, some really good scenes that show off her acting skills. And again, this is just this is one of the movies I'd actually seen prior to this watch. I watched it again this week. It holds up. It's just 
there's no other movie that's ever been made like it. And I'm not, it's not my favorite movie ever, but I have a lot of respect for it. And I find it very interesting. It's one that I can watch and it always makes me think. Eyes Wide Shut for me is like one notch below the five I came up with. Mm-hmm. I actually, this list was a little bit easy for me because I think there's like five films that I love that she's in. And then obviously a whole bunch that are good, but are just like a little bit below. And Eyes Wide Shut is another one where it's like, you know, speaking from the last time we talked about Kubrick with 2001 is like, he's obviously an expert filmmaker. There's, there's just no doubt about it. Right. I just don't know how much is there at the end for you. You know, it's really gripping. You're like, especially up through the sex party, you're just like glued to the screen. Can't look away. And that's like an hour, maybe 40 into the film. I mean, that part of it flies by and, and you know, he's kind of trying to tell you something a little bit more than what you see on screen. And that's fair enough. I just, at the end, and obviously I'm not going to give it away, but it has like a very iconic ending line. I, I just don't know how much I've learned and kind of where where I've gotten. It does stick with you, but it's it's that it doesn't have the same effect on me as other Kubrick films. I would I don't disagree there. It's not my favorite Kubrick, but I like I like that it makes me think a little bit about it at the end and about what exactly he's trying to say with it and Again, I'm not going to go too deep into it because I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but I have my own interpretation and it's uh it's an interest. I get we can both agree it's an interesting one. But uh but yeah, I I don't know where I'd rank it in the in the Kubrick universe, but that's that's for another podcast. Yeah. And and you're right there. I mean, her biggest scene is, you know, the entire scene in the bedroom. Totally. Uh, which she dominates and she's incredible in. And then even when she's not on screen, she's still like the other women in the movie are kind of being par- like played off of her and, and showing you something in that capacity. So it, there's always her presence is important to the film, even when she's not on screen. So it's still one of one of her biggest roles for sure. Agreed. And yeah, that scene in the bedroom, I, I'd say like if I had to just choose a reel and showcase some of her best acting, yeah, that scene would be in there. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Honestly, well, we'll talk about mine, but I kind of ended up with two, but no intention of my own. But in my list, I kind of ended up with two distinct eras. Um, and for me, there's like, there's a bit of a gap in, in my list after this movie, because like, I really, I really think it was her best role maybe ever, but at least for like 20 years, if you ask me. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Which, which leads me to my number five, actually, uh, which is quite a recent movie. It's from 2017. It is called the beguiled. Uh, did you see this one? I sadly did not get to this one. Okay, so I'm happy happy to pitch it to you. Uh, it is it's technically a remake, though. Uh, well, it's directed by Sofia Coppola, and she says it's you know the, even the original was based upon a novel, so she's kind of positioned hers as another adaptation of a novel, not not necessarily a remake of the original, which maybe is important to you, maybe it isn't. Um, another feature of this film, before I get too far into it, is that. 
it is much more well-liked by critics than by people, it would seem. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a 79%, and then the audience is a 48%. And we, I mean, you and I like rail on critics all the time. We like never really agree with these types of movies where critics think it's awesome and people think it sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of those happen to be on my list. So anyway... And this one, she won uh, Best Director at Cannes for it. So it it certainly was a bit of a festival darling in that sense. Um, and basically, the the setup is that it's Civil War, and Colin Farrell is a wounded Union soldier who is kind of like deserting. Um, you know, he's he's halfway to death, but he's run away from the battle, and he finds himself at a Uh, like an all girls boarding school, um, which is basically because no one else is around, you know, it's the fucking war. There's like no men around. So it's uh, a school where all these girls are living. There's Nicole Kidman who is say like maybe 40 ish. And she is like the owner and like headmistress of this school. Then Kirsten Dunst is probably in like her twenties and she is kind of like the only teacher left at the school. Mm-hmm. And then there's like maybe seven or eight, now nah, maybe like six or seven uh, students. So Elle Fanning is like kind of in her late teens. And then there's like just a bunch of littler, like sort of pre-bubescent girls. Um, and basically he finds himself there and they all, they agree to like give him shelter. And purely by being like charming Colin Farrell, literally never like getting out of his bed uh, for most of the film. He just creates this tension in the house, you know, because he could potentially be a partner for Nicole Kidman. He could potentially be a partner for Kirsten Dunst. He could potentially be a partner for Al Fanning. And all the little girls are just kind of like giggling that he's around, you know? And you're never really sure like, what his true intentions are because he's just in bed. He's not outwardly doing anything wrong to sort of stoke the fires of what's going on. But because all of them are in this big house by themselves and they don't know if any men are coming back from the war, they don't know what's going on. They just are happy to have him around. And then, you know, events kind of move forward from there. And it is, yeah, man, it's just, it's really without kind of, pushing too much in your face it's just building this tension over time in like a very sort of restrained way uh that Sofia Coppola often has in her films you know it's not a lot of pop and circumstance it's just kind of scenes in small spaces feeling claustrophobic and and you know figuring out where it goes from there and I will say on one level the ending is a bit feels a bit small but it also kind of feels like the only logical way it could have ended. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting film. Um, and it's kind of a thriller in, in an understated way. And I think, I think you would really like it actually. It sounds great. I want to see it. And I love the cast. I'm a, I'm a, I love Colin Farrell. Um, you had me at Colin Farrell, honestly, but I definitely need to see it. That This is one of like the handful that I didn't get to see that I wanted to. Um, 
and it you know it's not afraid to be only 94 minutes also like you know a lot of these movies are longer and you get more respect if you make kind of a longer movie and it's just it's very clean um and and i just think i think this will appeal to a lot more people um than have seen it i love it i think people should see it and also especially amongst nicole kidman's filmography it's so funny because a lot of i you don't find well i guess I shouldn't say too many. There are a handful, but it's not every day that you're looking at someone's and you find someone that has just as many two and a half hour movies as hour and a half movies. And Nicole Kimmons, one of them, she's done a lot of epics. She's done yeah, a lot exactly. of like two and a half, three hours. Yeah. So it's nice. And especially when you go period, that. you know, like, you know, cold mountain is a very similar situation, right? Yep. Uh, in a sense. And that's two and a half hours, you know I mean? And, and you could go so, and she's been in so many period movies that you could go on and on, but this one is, it, it never, and that's part of it, right? That's just part of the whole thing uh, that comes through in the movie is just so much, uh, just so much in control of what's going on. And, and it just feels like paced perfectly beguiled check it out people the beguiled um all right well my number four takes us back towards the the first half of her career first first quarter we'll say and it's the 1991 movie flirting oh wow okay um is this on your list it, it is and it's higher. Then let's wait and let's talk about it then. Okay. Um, what's your number four? Wow. Okay. I feel like I feel great because I just stole your list. I just totally co-opted your list. <laughs> um, okay. So my number four is very surprisingly and unintentionally also from 2017. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Wow. This is uh, what, you know, before this list, I had seen seen this movie and I really liked it a lot. Um, I think Yorgos Lanthimos is an interesting director. Um, again, it's Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. And I'm pretty sure, let me just double check. I think this movie, uh, yeah, so this one was filmed before Beguiled. And they, they it was like two weeks or three weeks later, they went to go. Uh, film beguiled and it was like a little bit strange for Colin Farrell because he had to gain a little bit of weight for this film and then like he kind of had this like self-conscious thing in beguiled because he's not wearing a shirt uh, somewhat frequently but anyway so yeah it's it's the same same two mains let's say uh, but a very different movie the real kind of star of this uh, in, a, in a sense is is Barry Keoghan um, and there's an, also uh, Alicia Silverstone gives a pretty cool performance in it. And um, yeah, so this one is what's interesting about this film is that it basically, if you read anything about it or just happen to know, it tells you what it is right from the beginning. So it is just a modern adaptation of a Greek myth. Um, and basically the story goes in this one, uh, Colin Farrell's a surgeon. He has... Uh, performed an operation that resulted in Barry Keoghan's father dying. Um, and, and very quickly you come to find out that uh, in Barry Keoghan's mind, uh, a slight has been done and through some kind of a supernatural power um, until Colin Farrell kills someone in his family, 
so his his wife, his son, or his daughter, uh, they will all get sick, uh, sicker and sicker and sicker, with no possible way to determine what's what the cause is or cure it um, until they all die. And this is gripping in a totally different way from my last film, in the sense that it is creepy from the beginning, and it never lets up. Barry Keoghan comes across as a complete psychopath. He's, he's doing all these different things to sort of infect the family and kind of in the back of your mind, you're, you're, you're sort of wondering the entire time, like, is this really going to go there? Like, is it going to go there? Are they literally going to take this to the end and I'm going to watch one of these people or all of these people die? And it just, this was like the feel bad movie of 2017. And it, <laughs> it, it really, really gets you. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's horror in like a very, pure disturbing form and it really really uh affected me when i first saw it and i i still love it yeah man i actually i'd been meaning to see this in theaters didn't get to it hadn't gotten to it still somehow it's just one of those few films that slipped through the cracks i'm usually good with the more current movies and i finally watched it it just missed my five but it was so just such an interesting film and yeah it keeps you wondering the entire movie what is going to happen and is he going to kill one of his family members or not it was crazy crazy and even you know the way that yorgos has them act which is like everything is completely deadpan it's just fucking unsettling and then like i'm not giving anything away here like right in the very beginning of the movie you kind of find out that like Colin Farrell's sexual kink is like to have Nicole Kidman just lay there and pretend to be like passed out as if like under anesthesia, which is like obviously part of his job. And just the fact that that is like sexually turning him on and that's what he does for work to you while you're under anesthesia is just like, oh, just giving me the fucking shakes right now. It's I just, know. It just gets he- Dude, he he's a very good director at making those very strange, quirky things in, yeah. into part of the atmosphere. And like, I'll say something very interesting. So I, I haven't seen I haven't seen The Lobster yet, which I have meant to see, but I have seen The Favorite and I actually really dislike The Favorite personally. And this movie on the contrary i thought was fantastic i think most people that like his movies probably like all of them but i'm that weird person that i i do think his style is really interesting but i some of some it appears one has done it for me one hasn't maybe the lobster will be the deciding vote for me if i'm on board i feel like colin will just get you over the edge in the lobster he'll bring you up i have a feeling he will because he 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 tends to he's just he's so great in most things he's in but Nicole, man, what again, more of a different role. For, I mean, she hasn't done a lot of movies that are this sort of. Well, she has a very interesting career. She's done a lot of different type of movies. I don't know. She probably she's done thrillery stuff, but this was like. Unsettling in a different way, so I felt like this was. Definitely one of her more out there roles. And I'm pretty sure this is one that she really, really pushed to get. So something that she found personally interesting uh, and wanted to to jump in on. So that, that, I think that's a lot. yeah, that does. I like that. 
Um, well, good number four. And my number three is going to take us right back to that early stage of her career that I just was at with flirting, which we'll get to. My number three is Days of Thunder. Oh, wow. What a pick. 1990. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman yet again appearing on my list together. First with Eyes Wide Shut, although that was later than this. This was the movie they met on. And the reason that they ended up getting together and getting married. So I somehow, Mike, I'm a I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. You know, put aside all the fucking Scientology shit. I think the guy is a fucking movie star. I mean, that's undeniable. He he's one of the, you know, one of the last big ones left. I think I think he was one of the last ones we got. And this is one of the few movies of his. I had somehow I had always meant like I have a massive list, as I'm sure you do. This has lingered near the top for 10 years now. And somehow had not happened. I'm so glad that this episode got me to finally do it, especially because I think some of the reason I'd held off for a while, I'd heard mixed things about this movie. The reviews are very so-so. The audience score is fine, but it's not like, oh, my God. I was like, all right, maybe this is just a middle-of-the-road movie. Fuck that. I think this was awesome. It was so fun. It was what I want out of one of these type of, you know, it's, it's a racing movie. It's about NASCAR. So it's like, it's exactly what I want out of one of these types of movies. And it's just got, it's got, it's directed by Tony Scott. It's got a hell of a cast besides Tom and Nicole. You have Robert Duvall, Randy Quaid, Michael Rooker, John C. Riley in one of his earlier roles. You've got, um, oh, forgive me if I say your name wrong, but Carrie L. L. L's. Is that how you say his name? Pools? L's? But it's just, it's, it's stacked. And it's just Tom Cruise, he is hired to, you know, become a race car driver. He's, he hasn't been in NASCAR. They're going to bring him to Daytona. And a lot of shit. There's a lot of ups and downs from there, but it's just such a fun fucking movie. I had I had a blast watching it. I think of everything I watched this week, I had the most fun of any, of any movie watching this movie. And the only reason, honestly, for me, maybe it's not higher is Nicole Kidman's role isn't massive. I mean, she is the love interest. She's she ends up being Tom Cruise's uh, his doctor. She's in probably, you know, what would you say, Mike? Maybe half the movie. Yeah, she comes in in like the second half. Yeah, she comes in for the second. Yeah, exactly. So, but but she's great in it. I mean, it's just a it's a fun role. But this is definitely leaning on the side of it's chosen because it's one of my favorite movies she's in, and her acting's fine. But it's definitely an influential role in the sense of this is the movie that broke her into the American mainstream, and you know she had done been doing all. Australian films prior this is the one that broke her into mainstream movie going and was sort of the first piece getting her 
to the superstar that she has been now for quite a long time. So I will say this might sound ridiculous, but of all the films I watched this week, the one that I keep thinking about is Days of Thunder. Oh my I've, god! I've already uh, well, you know this, but I use Letterbox to keep track of all the films that I watch, and I've already increased the rating, like within the week. I had to go back because oh I was amazing, like, "Amazing, amazing, getting better." And it's you know the only thing for me is like when the characters stop having fun, like when the actual conflict is is introduced into the plot. I mm-hmm. think it gets significantly worse. Because it's not that well made of a film, right? It's just that the first hour is so fucking fun that you don't care. So when there's an actual issue, it, it loses it a bit for me. But like, then I'm like, I'm not gonna be that guy. It's just so much fun. Like it, it works out in the end. And yes, it's cheesy, but like, who cares? Like, hundred percent. It's just awesome. like, oh my god, I'll race you there at the end, Robert Duvall. Just it's just too good. And what is what is Robert Duvall early in there? He's like, you look like a monkey fucking a football. <laughs> <laughs> also, John C. Riley is so young in this. John C. Riley continues to be a champion of the podcast. Only he could show up on our episode after the Tenacious D episode and be in both. It's un, it's unreal. When he showed up, I almost shit my pants because I just could not fathom. I was like. And, and the best part was this is made in 1990. I'm like, he already looks like when I say he was so young, he still looked sort of old. Like, I was like, he still looks like he's like 35. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's Dude, just outrageous. It's, again, it's just a, it's, it's the greatest thing that's worked out in hindsight. And, and it's it's quite clear that it's a, um, you know, something that would have inspired Talladega Nights. But like. Just having that movie now and being able to watch Days of Thunder in retrospect and see John C. Riley just gets me. Oh my god, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. It, it, truly, the 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 connection now to Talladega Nights—it's too much. I didn't realize it, of course, until this watch, and it's just—I'm overwhelmed. John C. Riley is just an absolute hero in every way. Yeah, and this, like you said, this movie is just just so much fun. It's very. Tom Cruise's performance is very Top Gun vibes. Very uh, Top Gun vibes. So if you like Top Gun, which honestly, if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. But yeah, if you like Top Gun, you'll love this movie. The question is, who does not love Top Gun? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to know that personally. I know. Oh, dear. If you're listening and you think you don't love Top Gun, go back and watch it and... If, if you're you st- not having a good time by beach volleyball, then I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. Yes, if you if you still do not like Top Gun, then we will see you at another podcast at another point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we'll have to find something else for you. Uh, um, <laughs> with that said, brother, where where, number- where does number three go for you? So I'm I'm glad you did Days of Thunder because mine is a very similar type of pick. You know, Ooh. here I am in the middle of the list given a, a couple of different takes on a thriller and now I'm just having a good time. And that is a movie that I sadly know you haven't seen. Cause we just talked about it. That is 1993's malice. Ooh, I gotta see it. Now I gotta see it. I cannot wait to pitch this movie to you and everybody because this movie has a bit of a bad rap and I, I, I yeah, these people are just insane. So the way this movie goes, <laughs> Bill Pullman is a like a 
associate dean at a college up in the northeast. Okay, I love Bill Pullman. Um, his wife is Nicole Kidman. And uh there's like a string of like serial rapes and like some people are dead, so rape murders um at Bill Pullman's college. Um and through um you know one of those girls getting taken to the hospital, he meets the new doctor in town, who's Alec Baldwin, who's, you know, very cocky, he's good looking, he's a doctor, you know, so he's slaying all the ladies. And through just a whole bunch of coincidences that you don't need to worry about, Alec Baldwin moves into a spare bedroom that Bill Pullman and Nicole Kidman have in their house. And so you're kind of like, oh no, like, Nicole Kidman's going to fall for Alec Baldwin and it's going to create all this drama and like, I see where this movie is going. No, Nicole Kidman hates Alec Baldwin. So that's not it at all. Then, you know, another girl shows up dead and there is like dirt in her house that is specific dirt from Bill Pullman's house. And so you're like, "Uh," but you know, Bill Pullman didn't do it. So you're like, oh no, Alec Baldwin's actually the killer. And he is going to be framing Bill Pullman for the next hour. And you're like, fuck, I've seen this movie so many times. Like, I don't need this. No. And this is going to sound like I'm giving something away, but I'm honestly not. After that, the entire plot about the serial rapist just goes away. And from there, this movie goes through at least a dozen twists. Like, it's a twist every two minutes to the point where, like, a lot of the criticism of the movie is... Uh, like there's there's gaping plot holes everywhere. But like when you're wa- when you're watching it, you're like you can't even keep track of the plot holes because it's onto a totally different plot. By the time you like think you're piecing it together, <laughs> it is just the best time. I don't know what people are worried about. This is just one of the most fun thrillers I've ever seen, and it's does it have a satisfying ending? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, such a satisfying ending. And it's the first thing ever written by Aaron Sorkin. So it's like all wow. these little things that you assumed were just like typical 90s thriller trash are actually like becoming relevant later. And and yeah, it probably doesn't all add up if you sit down and like draw it all out and try to connect all the storylines. Don't do that. Just sit back and have fun. There's so many absurd lines that they set up. This is the iconic Alec Baldwin I am God. Bill Pullman just drops a sit the fuck down, sit the fuck down. And then I can't even explain explain the context, but there is a line delivered that's just then how come I've got the jack of clubs in my fucking pocket? <laughs> it's just like it's just it's Dude, so insane. I need to see this. I feel like it definitely would be one of my favorites if I'd seen it. Dude, you will love it. And everybody should love this. I, I really don't understand. And yeah, Aaron Sorkin wrote it, and Scott Frank also co-wrote it. Who did? Uh, who's the creator of Queen's Gambit? But did a also did The Interpreter um, and Minority Report. So Ooh, um, wow. a bunch of movies that people know. But this movie is just a wild fucking ride. And I'm stealing this from Roger Ebert's review, but I literally I can't think of another movie ever where there's a serial killer plot and it's just gone within the first thirty minutes, and the movie goes so <laughs> somewhere else. My God, I'm like I need to know. Do they ever solve the serial killer plot? I dude, I if I uh, I can't even tell you because I'm, I would give away something even crazier. Okay. Oh my God. 
Oh my god! It's it. I can't, I can't even calculate how many turns there are. It's every two to three minutes for for the last hour of the film. I literally. So the only reason, by the way, people, I didn't watch this movie was I was trying. I was obviously trying to go through a very long list. I couldn't find it online, and not that I, to be fair, did too much searching online. But what I was doing for most things was searching it on my TV. If it was on any of the apps, I'd watch it. If I had to rent it, I'd rent it if I wanted to watch it bad enough. And I'd say it was about half rentals, half, you know, on an on one of the platforms. This was the only movie of every single movie on my list that I was trying to watch that you could not rent and you had to buy for like $15. And I was like, this feels this feels unwise. Apparently, it might be a wise decision. I'm finding this fucking movie tonight and watching it. Dude, I, I, I would be shocked if you didn't love this movie. It is oh, awesome. Yeah. And Bill, Bill Pullman. I love, I love me some Bill Pullman. Dude, it's, honestly, it's, it was a blast from the past. I mean, he's still been acting, but like, you know, he was, I mean, Independence Day and Spaceballs oh. are just like two movies of my youth. I just can't. He was and huge why, in the 90s. Dude, and that's why when he's like, sit the fuck down, you're like, oh shit, Bill Pullman swears? Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> Dude, if you've never seen it, a great, his sort of, in my opinion, his resurgence is on this show, The Sinner, that's that's out right now, and he's yes. fucking fantastic. Yes, yeah, so I haven't seen it unfortunately, but yeah, I've, I've heard that it's great. Yeah, it really is, and he is he's just amazing in it. But Dude, and I didn't even tell you that there's like a minor, very minor role by Gwyneth Paltrow, who's very young. What? Peter Gallagher, Peter Gallagher no. is an important role. Sandy Cohen, Sandy Cohen. Wow. And Bancroft is there. I mean, it goes on and on. It's just, and it did pretty well at the box office. Just, it just hasn't, uh, time apparently hasn't looked on it very kindly, but I strongly disagree. It is incredible. Wow. We got to get, we got to get Malice out there to the masses. We Watch really Malice. All right. Number two. All right. My number two is arguably my favorite, but. There was one other film that I thought was both a combo of one of my absolute favorites with one of her absolute best acting jobs, which is why this movie is at number two. And this movie is Lion. 2016. It also, if you've been listening to our other episodes, was on my top five movies that make us cry list. And I mean, I, I cannot say enough good things about this movie. It is such a incredible, true story. It's so unbelievable that if you didn't know it was true, you would not believe it was true, but it is. And it's with, it's with Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, Rooney Mara, and the the plot for you know a very short thing of the plot this this boy uh he's five years old he lives in he's indian he lives in india um he gets lost when he goes on a little he tries to go on a little like trip work trip with his brother and he gets separated from his brother he ends up on a train He's hundreds of kilometers from his hometown and he has no idea, you know, where, 
how to get back to his hometown. And so he ends up getting adopted by an Australian couple. The mother is Nicole Kidman. And 25 years later, he decides he wants to try to find his family. And it's just, it's, it's an un, I mean, that's a very generalized version of the plot, but it's incredible film. I personally thought that it deserved to potentially at least be in the, in the highest discussion for it. I thought it potentially was best picture worthy and that year. And it's just, it's so emotional. It's so, it's so good. And the only reason for me, it's not number one. Nicole Kidman is absolutely a supporting role. And I, and her role does not steal the show by any means. She's very good in it. And she plays the part. Well, you know, she, she's a memorable role in the sense of, I think the portrayal of his fam of his parents in this is really well done in that. It's not like, typically I feel like the general plot that I just set out, it would be, if it was fictional, it'd be like, Oh, his real parents felt like sort of betrayed or there was like a conflict. And it's not like that. The parents are very supportive throughout all of it. And it's just, it's really, she does like, I don't want to sell her acting short because she does a really good role. She actually, as time goes on, she is unhappy because they had adopted another child and he has a lot of problems, mental problems. And it's just, it weighs on her. And so she does a really good acting job in this as well. And so it is a good role. It's just, it is a supporting role. And you know, she, she, she crushes it, but the movie's even better. The mo- the movie is just so fucking good. I love this movie. If you have not seen Lion, see Lion. Yeah, I watched this one this week. Uh, like you said, we talked about it on the Cry episode, so it had already been added to my list there. And it's, well, I texted you immediately because it's impossible to watch this movie and not cry <laughs> several times. I mean, the end is just. Just bawling. Just just bawling, and then it's like element after element that just makes you ball harder and harder. And like you said about Nicole Kidman, she does a great job, but I mean, a big part of the movie is that for him, it's very much a solo journey because you know no one else can really understand where he's coming from because he doesn't even really know, you know. So it's she she's just not positioned as as the lead in that way. No, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, love lion, and take it away with your number two, my friend. My number two. Uh, is a, a pretty pretty well-known film um, that had been hanging on my list for a while. Um, and it's, it, I'd just never been able to cross it off. And that is 1995's To Die For. Ooh. This, this is a crazy one. Yeah. So it's uh, directed by Gus Van Zandt, uh, written by Buck Henry, who wrote a little film called The Graduate, by the way. Um and it is a, it's kind of a crazy cast. I mean, Nicole Kidman is the clear lead, but then um, in supporting is Joaquin Phoenix, Matt Dillon, Casey Affleck in a smaller role, Ileana Douglas, who I think is probably best known as like the side piece of um, uh, God from, from Cape Fear. Uh, but anyway, she, I think she's great in it. Uh, George Siegel has like a really small role and is awesome in it. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, it goes on and on. But the the plot of this movie is that uh, Nicole Kidman is a young um, a young person who is you know entering sort of her adult life, and she is obsessed with the idea of being on TV, um, and she's very like almost like Elle Woods from from Legally Blonde. Like she's just like very like oh, sort on. of won't take no for an answer, positive mindset. Um, but she's just obsessed with the idea of being famous and being on TV and, you know, she knows all about it. Um, and, and that's like her, her total ambition and, and nothing else. And she ends up married to Matt Dillon, who is like small town, um, Italian American kid whose parents own like an Italian restaurant. Um, and, you know, wants to sit down and kind of start a family and his ambitions don't really uh, go beyond his small town, which is obviously fine, but that's that's kind of their their parallel. Um, and the way the movie is shot, it's kind of uh, mockumentary style, like interviews with various members of their family, uh, filled in with like flashbacks, which is like the actual movie that's happening. So right away, you know, because they're doing some kind of documentary that some shit has gone down. Um, and in that way, it's brilliant in how it, it, it raises that tension and it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat um, and sucked into the movie without, you know, you're not really watching any dramatic scenes or there's no big, big score. It's, it's just kind of just the nature of the way that it's set up. You know that some shit is going to go down. However, what you're actually watching is, you know, the, a quintessential anti-hero, anti-heroine, I guess, in this case, where... Nicole Kidman is kind of super charming. You know, you are totally rooting for her, but she's totally insane. Like she, she cheats on Matt Dillon on their honeymoon, just on the off chance that like it may in some way help her become famous later. And she has this kind of this, this quote that runs through the movie, which is you're not anybody in America unless you're on TV on TV is where we learn who we really are, because what's the point of doing anything worthwhile if nobody's watching and if people are watching, it makes you a better person, which is extremely haunting in like the age of social media. So in that sense, it totally, it, it totally like holds up to this day. And and I obviously I won't say kind of what happens, but she is, you know, she's willing to do anything to to get to the top, and it's it's wild. It is indeed wild. It, yeah, the cast is great, and like. It's definitely one of her most interesting roles, I think, and and most memorable. And yeah, where it goes from where you sort of left us off, Mike, is is just I mean, it delivers. It's very satisfying in all the ways. And yeah, quite quite a quite the great ending too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Without giving it away, of course. But yeah, this one also is one that sort of, you know, it was it was up there, it was in the discussion for me it didn't quite do it for me to get that to get on the list. But the second I watched, I was like, definitely going to be one of the ones that sticks out to me the most in her career. It's just, she plays, she plays the part perfectly. It's, it's so, so well done by Nicole and just an outrageous movie. Yeah. And it's, you know, I had mentioned to you this to you earlier in the week, actually, that this was kind of the basis for Rosamund Pike's role in Gone Girl. Uh, Reese Witherspoon took this as inspiration for her role in Election. 
Uh, so it's 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 an inspirational role kind of in that way. It's it's really a quintessential kind of anti-hero, creepy woman sort of does her thing, uh, whatever that might be. It's hard to talk about without saying it, but but yeah, it's 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 one that will stick with you. And the, the only thing I'll say is that this movie, I, I won't even say what the book is about, but it's based on a novel. And in the novel, the person who ends up being played by Nicole Kidman wrote essentially like, if I would ever be played by someone in a film, I want it to be Nicole Kidman, which I just think is hilarious. <laughs> oh, great choice. Have we really gotten here to the end? Number one already. But we do have some special, special surprises afterwards. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, okay. So my number one is one of Nicole Kidman's most recent films. Is the 2018 movie Destroyer. Have you seen this one, Mike? I have. I, I can't. I can't wait to hear this. So this was one of the very last I watched this movie today and I, I meant this was another film. Number one in today. Wow. Yes, it did. And it similar, funny enough to killing of a sacred deer. There's probably, there's probably two or three movies each year that I miss. And I, then I mean to see them. This was from 2018, a movie I really had meant to see. And really 2019, because it came out right at the end of the year. So anyways, I wanted to see this because it's it seemed like sort of my, you know, gritty sort of crime movie. Nicole Kidman looked like just a it was going to maybe be a powerhouse performance. And it did not let me down at all. It just holy shit. I personally think. Hands down. Nicole Kidman's best performance. Just she almost is truly unrecognizable. Like she just looks so fucking just like so worn down and beat up by the weight of what her life has become after sort of the incident that this movie is about. So she she's very monster-like, that Charlize Theron movie. Yes. So, you know, very general plot on this. Nicole Kidman plays, a de- she's a detective Aaron, named Aaron Bell. And 16 years after this, uh, this undercover assignment had finished that she had been a part of, the, we'll just say the, the, the main villain from that, you know, whole assignment pops back up and she is looking, she is, she wants to find him and kill him. Essentially. It's a, it's like a revenge plot. And throughout the movie, you one learn a little bit about her personal life, but you get flashbacks to the undercover assignment throughout the film as what's taking place in the present takes place and it's just it's so dark it's honestly gut-wrenching and just nicole kidman goes to a place i don't think she's ever gone acting wise she just she absolutely fucking kills it and 
I was I was so impressed. I did not know what I'd think. I'd seen the reviews. I'd seen that it said she gives a fantastic performance. Some reviews really liked the movie. Some thought it was so-so. I really, really liked it. I It's not my absolute favorite movie that she is in, but it is my... If I am mixing favorite movie with best with my favorite performance this is number one for me and i highly recommend if you haven't seen it to check it out especially if you're a nicole kidman fan you haven't seen it she absolutely fucking kills it and again i will warn it's dark it doesn't really stray from dark it's it doesn't necessarily have what i'd call a happy ending but it's um it's just a really well done movie, and and the director <clears throat> Karen Kusama, I'm I'm quite a fan of a uh, bit of a newer director in a sense, but she also did the Invitation, which if you haven't seen the Invitation, um, and I guess I shouldn't say newer director by the way, I realize she's been around a while, but I feel like she's been breaking out more in the last five you know ish years. She did the Invitation in 2015, which. If you know nothing about it, I tell you, do not read anything about it and just watch it. And it is fucking crazy. So and Jennifer's body, which is epic. Oh, my God. Of course, with Megan Fox. Um, But yeah, check out Destroyer. Really fucking good. And I was surprised myself that it made it to number one for me. But I just I felt the pull. I felt like it had to be after watching it. I kind of I kind of like this pick because it's a great Nicole Kidman performance. I th- I think the movie's just okay. It's kind of it's kind of something you've seen before. Just insert Nicole Kidman instead of you know a typical kind of male character, but you know the cop with the troubled past with this and that. You know it's it's it felt a little bit flat to me in that way, but she's incredible in it, and it's I would I would agree it's one of her best roles. So I I kind of like that as a, as a number one. Thank you, and I and I will say that like. I don't I do agree with you to an extent about that. Yeah, we've seen the general plot, you know, before, but I will also say they don't really make them that much anymore. So it's been a while since we've seen one like that, I think. But they did there have been a lot of similar type movies in the past. Okay. Should I move on to my number one? Please. I, I yeah. guess I know what it is. We already know that it is nineteen ninety one's flirting. So Ooh. Let me, all right, so I'll do some sort of admin setup and then I'll pass to you since I stole your reaction from before. Do it, do it. This is directed by John. I I thought this person's name was Deegan, but now I I think I've read that it's Deegan. He's a, I guess, an Australian director. I think he was born in the UK, but anyway, typically known for being an Australian director who also did The Year My Voice Broke, um, which is kind of a prequel to this movie, but it's not really key that you've seen that to see this one if that makes sense and he did the uh, tv show called vietnam which also had nicole kidman in it um this movie stars uh noah taylor who is probably not like a household name i guess but is sneakily in like a bunch of stuff like vanilla sky Sky, almost famous uh he's in peaky blinders for a little while um so he's i think a face that you would know uh but then nicole kidman Tandy Newton and a low key Naomi Watts role 
which is like barely even part of the film in a sense. Like, wait, um, I, I I like missed that. Yeah, yeah, she's one of the friends. Holy shit, she is. It, see, you don't even notice, and it's it's so it's it's just funny that she's in there. But I did not realize that was her, and now that you've said it, my mind is absolutely blown. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, honestly, the whole movie in that sense is a little mind blowing just because it feels so small. And then you're like, holy fuck, that's Nicole Kidman and Dan Newton. Like, it's just, it's a gem that's just like, it's just from another time, right? It is. And it's, it's funny. Like, it's just such a. So, first of all, I know Mike beforehand, like, we, we had talked very little about the topic but we we had mike and i texted a little bit throughout the week we talked one day just just about other stuff but this came up briefly and you know you had mentioned that there was a coming of age film that you'd seen that was really great and i hadn't really done at that point my due diligence on all the movies in sort of picking exactly what i was going to focus on watching i i had ideas but then i what I like to do whenever we do this stuff is especially now that it was coming down to an actual, just like singular person that we're going to focus on. I look up all the movies. I like to see what the critics say. I like to see what fans said. I like to read some like reviews on IMDb from just people. And I usually can sort of get a feel for maybe if something will be my, my cup of tea or not. And when I looked up flirting, I, I was like, Holy shit, I need to watch this movie. And I was like, I wasn't positive. I was like, oh, I was like, I think this has got to be that movie because it just sounds I'm a big I love the coming of age films. And this just sounded like a forgotten gem. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, I don't know about you. I, I'm curious, Mike, over there in the UK, but in the States, it's not even you can't even get it for streaming on any platforms. I had to get it on YouTube. Dude, I watched the YouTube version as well because I think there's an out-of-print DVD. There was never a Blu-ray. I've never seen it on any streaming platform ever. And it's yeah, it's mostly forgotten. Yeah. And it's it's a shame because it really, despite truly not even because of the fact that it has a couple big people in here, it's just such a solid coming-of-age movie. It's like it can go toe to toe with any of the ones that, you know, everyone brings up as classics. And I just, I, I'm really surprised this doesn't have it. And the thing, it doesn't have a bad rep. Like anyone that's seen it loves it. Like it, it's got solid reviews, even on like IMDb, it has like a 7.2, which if you know, IMDb, if you're at like eight, you're in like the top 250 movies of all time. So it's it like 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So it's it's it is a liked movie. It's just very it does not. It's not well known. It's 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 a movie that absolutely deserves to be seen and like and holds up today. Like I I think it's just as effective as, you know, any coming of age movie in the last 20, 30, I mean, yeah, I guess it was made 30 years ago now, exactly. And it doesn't feel too dated to me, you know? 
No, agreed. I mean, and it's, you know, it's a pretty typical setup. Uh, you know, Noah Taylor's in one boarding school that's all men. You know, Tandy Newton and Nicole Kidman are in the all-female boarding school literally across the water, you know. it's it, There's nothing sort of amazing about that, so to speak. But what, what's really interesting about this film, and I'm glad you liked it because – it is the way that I wanted to pitch it to you is that it is not American Pie, you know. It is incredibly like reserved, and it's similar to The Beguiled, uh, which you know is a Sofia Coppola movie. So it says enough about how I feel about this. Just it's it's so much, you know. It never goes so far into kind of the melodrama that you get from Coming of Age, and it never goes into the absurd. It never even really gets into the outrageous. You know, it's never out of control it's just giving you this very measured honest you know tender sweet version of you know of what it's like to be young and the awkwardness and falling in love and you know it does i hate to use this term i didn't mean to do it this way but it does flirt with the idea of race um and and it kind of delivers these little these little like a bit almost too deep, like little philosophical truisms that kind of stick with you. And you're like, whoa, that would have like been huge to me if I'd seen this when I was like a kid. And it just does so much more than I really thought it was going to do. I couldn't agree more. And it's, yeah, no, it's not at all like an American pie type. I, I don't even know what I'd compare it to really. I think I'd like, it's much more subtle than that. It's like a coming of age drama to an extent like to an extent it's almost like a fuck man like a because of the private school aspect maybe like a little dead poet society maybe mixed with like uh maybe mixed with like sort of a dazed and confused type coming of age i don't know i mean that these don't even really do justice to the type of film it is i'm just it is definitely a more a more subtle and laid back type coming of age film. Yeah. And this uh, is really, you know, you had mentioned it kind of on the Hollywood side, but this is like really the last Australian movie that Nicole Kidman did for a while. I think until Moulin Rouge, until Boz kind of pulled her back. But mm-hmm. like, this is really after this, she was, she was all in Hollywood. So that kind of very small, feeling uh it would never really be had had again after this and um yeah this was on i just wanted to mention that it was on ebert's top 10 films of the year uh that year so it was well received it won a bunch of awards um in australia um where it had obviously a much bigger release but the the i do feel so you had mentioned about kind of looking up this stuff beforehand and i generally I try to get a feel for like ratings um, just to have some idea if you have to kind of pare down an entire person's career about what you're going to watch. But I never really read anything about films before I see it. And, and I'm kind of torn because if I had read about this film, I probably wouldn't have seen it. Um, and now I love it. But now I've come to learn that, you know, the director, I guess, I guess, if you want to look at it this way, he started a relationship with Tandy Newton. Yeah, uh, I saw this. this you is... know, on the set of this film, right? But he's 39 and she's 16. And it was her first is, film. Yeah, and it's it's not technically illegal by Australian law, but is obviously totally unacceptable Disgusting. and fucked up and horrifying. And, and now, 
I don't know what you do with that. But I want to say it here. I think it's important to say it's obviously part of the film and you can't not know it. But does it take away from the film? I, I don't know, you know. It's it is hard to answer that question. It it definitely leaves a bad a really bad taste in my mouth. It, it really does. And you know, I, I mean it's just fucking disgusting is is the truth. Sadly, it is it is a fucking it is a great goddamn movie. Um it's just yeah, it really makes it fucking tough because this guy was a scumbag. And Absolutely. if it makes anyone feel better, you can watch it for free on YouTube and not have to support exactly it at all. Don't so maybe that's it. maybe that's the best way. I, I don't know. I, think- I was obviously so so horrified to learn that, but as as a piece of art, I mean, I really couldn't I couldn't put it anywhere else on this list. I just loved this movie, dude. And and at the end of the day, it is true. That is what it is. It is a piece of art, and you know, this is what I have to say. We don't want to disrespect all the people, including Tandy, that worked on it in in trying to bring this to life. He did write and direct it, but it's like he didn't edit it. Someone else edited it together and all these actors were there bringing it to life. And at the end of the day, yeah, it was a piece of his work, but it was all their work, too. So let's honor them when we watch it and enjoy it. And let's just forget that he fucking exists. Yeah, well, well said. I agree. But yeah, man. Oh, what a great movie. What a surprise. Probably the biggest surprise for me of all the movies. Like just one that sort of came again. Once I read up about it before watching it and like seeing a little bit of what people were saying, I was like, ooh, this does sound up my alley. But even so, the fact that you have to find it on YouTube and whatever, just what a pleasant surprise how great this film is. Agreed. Um, and so that, I mean, that concludes our lists, but you know, Nicole Kidman, one of the best actors of, of our time of the last 30 years, at least we couldn't get away with just talking about 10 films. So we decided to create a few other categories that would give us, um, just some direction uh, to talk about the many, many films of her career. Yeah. A little couple superlatives and and then, of course, we can. If there's anything left, we can drop a couple honorable mentions. But I know one of them that we wanted to answer was what Mike and I separately consider her the most bonkers movie, the most batshit crazy movie that she has been in. Yeah, and this again, uh, you said it, but just to clarify. On this one specifically, we're talking about the movie as a whole, the craziest film that she's been in. And so I feel like yours might be crazier. Just I just have a hunch. So, so go I, ahead. I'm going to start this one. You start that. You can start the next one we do. But I personally went with Killing of a Sacred Deer. I just. I thought it was fucking I mean, it was outrageous. I mean, the, the the plot that this guy has to choose one of his family members to murder in order for them all not to just all three, you know, of the, of them not to just die. And then how just fucking insane the kid Martin is and the craziness of when 
Colin Farrell goes over and Martin's mom, who's oh. played by Alicia Silverstone, oh starts like sucking on his hands and tries oh. to fuck him. And like he just his reaction to so many things is so funny in the movie. Like with that, he just like gets up and like leaves and like, yeah, it's just so many ridiculous things happen in the movie. It's just again, the the director, he is known for being very out of the box and sort of ridiculous and having his own way of doing things. So in that sense, I'd say maybe it isn't so surprising that it's bonkers, but of everything I watched, I'd say it was it was the most bonkers. And there were a couple other ones that were pretty ridiculous, but this one took the cake for me. That's that's an interesting pick and and it's it's definitely a interpretation of bonkers. I, I cannot argue with you there. That movie is crazy. Uh, and I, you know, honestly, looking at the list right now, there's a lot of films that are a little crazy. Agreed. There's a few others I, I could show. I why Chuck could have been it. You know, Dogville could be it. Absolutely. Dogville could be it. Stoker. Could Stoker. Be it. Stoker could be it. BMX Bandits could be it. It could. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. There's a lot, and I, I tell you what, I mulled over a lot of those until I watched a movie from 2004 called Birth. I heard about this one, and Holy I did not get to it. fucking shit. Oh, my God. I literally I, – I mean, you and I just spoke casually on the phone on a few days ago, and you know we were talking about this, and we obviously didn't tell each other what we were going to pick, but I hadn't seen this movie then. Uh, and and as soon as I did, I was like, "Well, there goes bonkers." I know what's bonkers. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, wow. Okay, so I have to give away about half this movie uh, to to explain it. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll save all the I'll I'll leave the important bits. I could say more about them that would make it seem more bonkers. But I'll just give you the basic bonkers. The idea is kind of good which is that you know her husband dies um then 10 years later uh she is about to get married to another guy who you know the movie tells us right away that she doesn't like this guy as much um and a 10 year old boy shows up and says i am you know your dead husband reincarnated so the movie wants to you know ask some questions about grief and sort of eternal love and kind of, you know, what would you do in this situation? Uh, which is, I think, a pretty good concept. And what she chooses to do, which is the one thing I think you would not do, is pursue a quasi-sexual relationship with this 10-year-old. Oh, my gosh. So they don't – I'll tell you right now, they don't have sex, but they do – share a romantic kiss they do take a bath together so naked her and a 10 year old kid 10 year old kid and then as if to justify itself after all is said and done i'm not going to tell you what is said and done after all is said and done her character literally utters the line what happened to me was not my fault there's no way I could have behaved any differently. And you're like, yes, you could. You could not try to fuck a child. That would maybe <laughs> be the thing that you could do. And I, I mean, Justin, you know, we did a whole podcast about movies that we 
drastically disagree with what most people think, right? You know, I understand why people like Indiana Jones. I think it's terrible, but I, I get why you like it. It's kind of fun and it's got nostalgia. When I see Roger Ebert gave this a 3.5 out of 4 and called it a believable psychological thriller, you know, when I see people being like, oh, wow, the zooms, the framing, it's this, it's doing this, you're like, yeah, but she's in a tub with a kid and they're naked. Like, what are we talking about here? It's wild. And depending on which review site you look at, it has a, a wide like a d array of, of reviews. And, you know, a lot of people think it's great. A lot of people think it's bad. And I just, I can't, I can't even, I watch the whole thing, but like once you see where it's going and the ending is terrible, um, but once you see where it's going, you're just like, this would never happen. Who would ever take this step? Oh my I, God. It's, it's crazy, bro. Ugh. I guess I got to see it just to see how outrageous it is. It's insane. It's oh really insane. Well, speaking of insane, on a different level of insane, our other little superlative is we wanted to, we each chose what we thought Nicole Kidman's sort of her most like out of the box role, like sort of a different, more like a very interesting choice for her role wise. And Mike, what did you, what did you think? I went with 2017's how to talk to girls at parties. Ooh. It, I mean, her role. So, I mean, basically uh, the whole concept of the movie is effectively that there's some aliens that come around and, and they land in sort of punk centric 1970s London. Um, and and shenanigans ensue from there, and it's uh, it's directed by John Cameron Mitchell, who also directed Rabbit Hole with her, but then he also directed uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is great. Um, but also Elle Fanning, uh, so another connection with Beguiled. But yeah, I mean Nicole Kidman's role is that she is a kind of sort of elder statesman, let's say, of the punk scene. So she's you know she's kind of meant to be at least close to her real age in life. And she sort of kind of manages punk bands. She kind of owns this club and she has outrageous hair and her, her, her name is queen Bodicea. And she just, she's just a full on like seventies punk person, but she's not 20. She's like 50. And it's, it's unlike any Nicole Kidman role I've ever seen. I mean, she's normally, you know, wearing like flowery dresses of like the civil war. And at this time she's just like full on punked out. And it's, I don't know that the movie's kind of great, but I think she's pretty great in it. That is a great choice. That is a great choice. My choice. It's funny because it's, it's the same as my number one It's destroyer. And the reason I say it, I look at her entire list of films she's done and i don't think she has done another film like this a character more of a character piece set within the crime world and one where she looks 
I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I, I don't think she has done another movie like that. I wanted at first I was going to say Batman Forever because I was going to say, ah, she hasn't she never does comic book movies. But then she did Aquaman recently. So I'm like, yeah, she has done one other. And then, you know, on the other hand, I was thinking I was thinking Dogville just because. No, she doesn't have another role. I mean, and that one honestly could be a contender. She doesn't have another role like Dogville. This avant-garde Lars von Trier film, three hours. The whole thing is filmed on a soundstage. It looks like a play that you're watching on the screen. So it's like that one could be it. But it was sort of between those two. But for as many thrillers or action movies that Nicole Kidman has done, I don't think she's ever done a movie like Destroyer. That's, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair choice. And it's true. Definitely true. But I'd say she definitely, what she dips her toes into the most seems to be the thrillers. The yeah. thrillers and the period pieces. Well, I like that thrillers are back a little bit for her. Yeah. You know, they were gone for a while, and I like that they've come back. Me she too. She just does it so well. She crushes. She crushes. It's, uh, Oh, man, I know there's I want to just like I'm sure we each want to like shout out some other movies. But like I do want to just say that one movie that I had really fond memories of when I was a kid, like a movie. I think it was just probably like one of the first R rated movies that I saw when I was a kid. And I had not seen since I was probably maybe 13, 14. And I watched, and unfortunately, it just did not hold up for me. Was the Peacemaker with her and George Clooney? Oh, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, it's it was a great. I thought it was a great action movie growing up. It just it did not hold up. Um, and I will say a couple that just well, I don't even know if they just missed my well. One that just missed my list was the others which I know is one of her big movies. Did you watch that, Mike? I did, yeah, and I've seen that one a few times. I, I think that one is is really fun. Uh, I think it's just maybe a little bit below kind of my top five, but it's definitely a good movie. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly where it is for me. I also want to shout out, it, it wasn't going to make my list. It's, it's sort of even probably a little bit below the others for me even, but like just a very interesting movie. The Family Fang, with which is recent with her, Jason Bateman, Christopher Walken, just like a really strange plot that I, again, I would say maybe just don't even know anything about it. Just go into it, watch it. I believe it's on, I think, Amazon. It's on somewhere for free, but very strange film and worth checking out. Yeah, I also thought that was interesting, uh, maybe just okay for me, but but interesting nonetheless. And we, I, I'm I kind of was thinking Margot at the wedding might have come up for one of, for either of the batshit or interesting roles. Don't love that film. I didn't love a it. Crazy one. Out there. Yeah, I I thought I was gonna like it and I didn't really. Uh, I, I'm always bad. I'm always like one way or the other on Noah Baumbach films. Yeah. But yeah. I love Jack Black, but I just I wasn't feeling this one too much. Dude, another one that I had fond memories when I was younger not too much younger, but when I first saw it, when it came out that I, it did not hold up for me really was Australia. Um, oh, I've still never seen that dude. So when it came out, it obviously it sort of in a sense bombed given like the budget and the, the scope of it, but, and the reviews were so, so I remembered when I saw it 
I quite liked it, but I rewatched it the other night and it, it it's not bad. It's just like maybe I just wasn't in the mood for, you know, a movie like that, but it, it just wasn't. It definitely did not do it for me the way that I thought it was it had in the past. Um, I I would say a few. Yeah. So in terms of like the maybe the best movies that she's been in that we haven't talked about would be. Uh, I thought I thought Boy Erased was pretty good. That Joel Edgerton movie uh, okay. about sort of conversion therapy. Uh, I actually thought it was a little smarter than I thought it was going to be. I mean, conversion therapy is one of the most insidious things that we have to deal with in our society, and it's totally fucked up. But it made a bunch of kind of more subtle points that I thought were really strong. Um, Paddington is a movie that I think is great, and I don't watch a lot of kids' movies, so that should convince you watch Baddington. It's great. And her role is a little bit different from what she normally does. Not that far outside the box, but she's, she's great in it. And the last thing I'll throw out, this is down my list. I don't think it's a great film, but it has a certain mass appeal. Like I would recommend this movie to a lot of people if they want to just throw something on and that's the upside. Oh yeah. I think you've seen, right? Yeah remake of the untouchables yeah and i've never seen the untouchables so now i have to go back and watch it i imagine it's a little bit better but this one it definitely had its moments and it just has a very yeah i think it just has a uh would appeal to a wide variety of people it's not going to blow you away but i think you'll be glad that you've seen it absolutely agree very um just like a a, a heartwarming heartwarming at times heartbreaking at times funny it's just yeah it's got it all very mass appeal uh it's actually funny mike i was talking to my parents yesterday and i told them we were doing this and that's the movie that my mom brought up she was like oh i just watched the upside it was great exactly it's somewhere between what i want to watch and what your mom wants to watch (laughs) exactly but the intouchables i will say which is the film the uh french film that this was remade from uh is even better which is tends to be the case if you're someone that can't handle the subtitles watch the upside but the intouchables is just incredible and and not very old either they really did the remake on this pretty quick i think the intouchables was from just earlier this you know it's 2011 so but still 10 years ago and the and the upside the remake came out in um 2017 so it was only six years later but yeah both great check them both out if you want um yeah i think the last movie i'll shout out is is i know we said it very briefly but stoker interesting movie stoker is it was a bit disappointing for me it Uh, it wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be based on reading up a little bit about it yeah, I, I, that's yeah. I, it's a super, like visually is an awesome film. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just don't know how much it's actually giving you underneath all that. It's a bit empty for me. Wait, by the way, did you watch Deadcom? Of course, I watched Deadcom. <laughs> how how that, outrageous is it, dude? It's yeah. That's I, honestly Deadcom was one of the ones that had like pretty good reviews that I yes, was like, yes, guys, what are you talking about? Like, this is the most absurd. Not like very good at all. Like Bill, Billy Zane is like a, he's almost like a, like a Dr. Evil level yes. 
Or he's just like, okay, I'm just going to go walk away for 30 minutes. Like, don't escape. And, like, Nicole Kidman is just, like, making every, like, also him just f- coming. final girl mistake. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I don't even care that we're ruining it. Him at the very end when he just somehow is still alive, of course. Dude. Putting his hands through I bumped up my review like an entire star because just like the imagery at the end is oh just my God. incredible. Yes, just when he shoots the fucking flare. Yes, yes. And just, I, and then, I like that the movie never asks you to question in what world Nicole Kidman would be in a relationship with Sam <laughs> He's like 20 years old. <laughs> like it's, it's literally a 22-year-old Nicole Kidman with like a like a 35-year-old Sam Neill. I think it's worse than that. I think maybe he's like 40. 20 years older than her. Yeah. yeah okay, maybe maybe right. 18. Yeah. Like it's just bizarre. It's just really bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's also just funny like back in those days seeing all the Australian actors yeah. all together in movies because it is, of course was an Aussie production, but it's you know, and then Naomi, you know, all these ones that we see, Naomi Watts. It's like there's a lot of Australian actors that you see Nicole Kidman works with throughout her career when she goes to do these Australian productions, you know? Yeah, for sure. But and it's yeah, dead dead calm. And and if we're gonna just talk about Australian films, I feel like the last film we should talk about is BMX Bandits. Absolutely. If you She's 16 in this movie. <laughs> it, it is. Wow. It's it's not great. I'll tell you that right now. No. But it is. If you can even imagine watching Nicole Gaiman. I mean, what's Destroyer? 2018. We talked about a bunch of films from 2017. This is 1983. I mean, she is young. And yeah, they just ride BMX bikes around. And it's. it's you like it's, BMX bikes and just ridiculous fun then it's it is sort of fun but it it could be more fun but it's just ugh, it's just uh bmx bandits really could have been an absolute cult classic is what kills me about it but it just Dude, doesn't quite hit the mark i've already told you this but the director of that film brian trenchard smith i know i've shouted out turkey shoot on the podcast uh i think i've mentioned stunt rock before death cheaters he made so many ridiculous australian films that are they could all have won the bonkers category in any other one that we did he just makes bonkers films and i think you should watch them yeah you should and and one one last note i'll say about bmx bandits so nicole kidman 16 in this movie this is not a knock on nicole kidman at all she just she has like this like sort of like to me she's always had this sort of upscale look to her almost like she's like part of a royal family and like in bmx bandits i cannot believe she is only 16 i'm not saying she like looks old or anything but like she does sort of fucking look older than her age in that movie in my opinion there's yeah i i definitely agree with you she doesn't age much in the 80s yeah like yeah, it's, there's not that much difference. But now it's like, now it's like she's fucking. What is she now? Now she's like in her fifties and she looks fucking I think she great. Might be early fifties, right? Yeah, it's like it's insane. But anyways, Nicole Kidman. We hope you guys enjoyed. Let's let's quickly just recap our top five, Mike. What what were your five? 
the my murder number five is the beguiled number four is the killing of a sacred deer uh number three is malice number two to die for number one flirting mine was number five eyes wide shut number four flirting number three days of thunder number two lion and number one destroyer so only one crossover i love it yeah I f- um, man, I feel like we did it. We watched a fucking ton of Nicole Kidman movies this week. Did. Between it's the two of us, we watched like 50 different Nicole Kidman movies. Um, holy shit. Well, look, if you want to tell us your favorite Nicole Kidman movies, or if maybe you watched one that we recommended, like Flirting, go do it. Um, and you want to hit us up, you want to know where to find us, you can email us at topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives. You can find us on Twitter at Top Dives. Way too long. And uh, lots of fun this week, man. So much fun. We'll 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 see you guys next week. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town of PTM. Top Fives and Deep. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantino.